You're listening to PodcastJuice.net. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Podcast Juice, and you're listening to The Prince Podcast. And we are back with another doozy. And before we begin, I must give us the lineup of guest hosts today. First up is Mr. Big Sexy. How are you, sir? I am doing well, and as my latest Facebook Facebook posting says, I keep it effortlessly sexy. Ah, That's right. There you go. All right. And next up is Mr. Big Ken. How are you, sir? I'm cool, man. Just chilling. Like I told you before, digging out this foot of snow we got dumped on us overnight. All right. Oh, hell Inside. No. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> now, you talking about snow, or are you like... Referencing some other kind of snow. No, I'm talking about the snow you got to shovel outside. <laughs> okay, big Ross, boss. All that. All right, Ross. Yeah, yeah, that kind of snow. <laughs> not that, not that, you know, flight time type of snow. Now, this is a different type of thing. Oh, okay. Oh, God, fine. I don't know that one, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, we have Mr. Day Dropping. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay, Mike. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's start talking on some crazy stuff. All right, and Mr. Sean Hill, how are you? Doing well, doing well. All right, and last but not least, Mr. Ant Pooh, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's a nice brisk 65 outside. I might go outside and just have a walk. He's rubbing it in. <laughs> and, uh, and my name is Mr. Dean. And let's begin. So the last show we did, we talked about uh, the lawsuit that Prince had on a couple of fan sites, um, most notably uh, DeBang319. Since that show last week, Prince has uh, dismissed this lawsuit uh, with prejudice. And I wanted to go to... Uh-uh, uh-uh. Oh, I'm sorry. Without, yeah, go ahead. Without prejudice. Without prejudice. Excuse me. Well, explain what that means. Very simply, when you dismiss something or a court dismisses something with prejudice, that means it cannot be refiled. With, without prejudice means it can come back later on down the line. So if the guys from DeBang and the other people who got sued get caught slipping, they can go ahead and pick up where they left off. Okay. Well, what, so can you give us maybe some um, circumstances of why would he dismiss the lawsuit? Oh, because he, he wanted to prove a point. This was like firing a shot across the bow. He let these people know, all 22 of them know that, look, I caught you and I can hurt you. Quit fucking up. And if you do it again, I will hurt you. That's all he did. I mean, I I had no problem with it again because the people who got caught up in this were given ample notice, using DeBang as an example. You were told, stop this. And you didn't stop. Now I got to smack you. Now that I have smacked you, are we done, or do I need to smack you further? That's that's the whole message that I got from this. Huh? Uh, big Ken, Big Ken, you weren't on the last show, um, but what's your take on this whole lawsuit thing uh, and sort of the, the ending of it here? Well, pretty much my my uh, viewpoint echoes mostly what you guys said in last week's show, which is on the one hand, you know. It's obviously a bad PR move for, for Prince. You know, people, I had people at work, you know, they all know that I'm hardcore Prince cat. You know, what's wrong with your boy Prince? What's wrong with your boy Prince? But they don't understand the behind the scenes of what, what he's really doing. So you can figure there's millions of people out there like that that don't really know the whole story. 
they'll just see Prince sues his fans on CNN and what have you, and it's just going to leave a bad taste in their mouths. But on the other hand, I understand where he's coming from, especially in the case of the bang and all those sites that were listed, uh, you know, with, with the guy posting up his cease and desist uh, orders on, on, on Twitter and all this other kind of stuff. I mean, you're almost daring the cat to, to come at you, right? And and this is his livelihood. I wish he wouldn't do it, but I understand he has to protect, you know, his, his property. So, I mean, he's well within his right to do it. And, and I agree with Big Sexy. I mean, I, when I heard about the lawsuit the first time, I really didn't think that he was doing this with the intent to really get millions of dollars from these people because he knows he's not going to get that money. But he was just basically trying to shake them up and just let them know that, yo, you know, you keep this up, I'm going to bring the smack down on you. And so I, I think that, you know, he's got the end result that he wants for now, but we'll just have to see if those guys, you know, told the line or not. Do you think that this is going to put sort of a, a, a damper on sort of the blatant, you know, uh, websites that post his uh, unreleased material? Well, I put it this way. I think what what it will do in the short term, especially for those sites listed in the filing, yeah, they'll curtail what they do for a while. But it's just like, you know, the cat's out of the bag now, man. You know, I, I think you guys mentioned Metallica on the last show. They learned as well, too. I mean, this whole file sharing thing, the, the moment that somebody learned how to rip a file from a CD, it was in the bag. Right. The moment that happened, you know, the genie is out of the bottle now. So you're never going to be able to curtail it fully. You know what I mean? So even if he slows these sites down, I I just think that, you know, there'll be others that'll that'll still do it, you know, but they might just be a little bit more smooth, more more clandestine in how they do it. They won't be as blatant, possibly. But I don't know. I don't know that you could ever truly get rid of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, because this is only what, like. 25, 26 sites, however many in the list. I'm sure there's probably a dozen others that's yeah. around, you know, that, and that's just in the U.S. There's probably, you know, who, who knows how many got around the world, you know, you know posting this stuff, not, not just his, but other artists as well. So, okay. you know, I oh. think it's ultimately it's futile, but I understand why he was what he was doing. He was just trying to prove a point, as, as Mark said. All right. I wanted to share uh, a couple of the comments that were left on the website about the show. I think there was uh, worth mentioning. Uh, so one is from Sean Gregory. Shout out to Sean. Uh, I'm going to read this here. He says, uh, I think that you made a good point about disrespecting Prince. The sites did do that. I would have taken down the files just from the fear of legal, legal action. After listening to you, I would want to honor Prince's request. It shouldn't just be a legal thing. Be cool to the guy. That was a great point. We just forgot that he is a real person um i was sad though to listen to you be so tough on the sites they are fans just like us motivated by a love of the music just like us i get that you would pull any of your print stuff including the ebook i see to the right of this chat box shots fired no, I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking <laughs> if he asked but come on we're part of the bootleg culture you just produced an enjoyable commentary t- for a famous bootleg concert video. You don't. All right. You don't need a cease and desist letter to tell you that Prince. Hey, Prince just pulled up to collect. There you go. <laughs> that Prince uh, doesn't dig that. He told us already to send him all of our bootlegs. I didn't 
Oh, he says, I didn't. Does that make me like DeBang? Or do I need to ignore a legal letter before I am disrespectful? I even brought, bought the Black Album when he told me not to and did not buy it again. Did not, and did we not buy it again? I don't know. Uh, DeBang was warned and continued. That is the difference between them and us. That is it. Nothing more. We are part of the bootleg culture. We enjoy it. Uh, yeah, that's that, that's all I leave on that. What, what do you guys? Uh, anybody got a, anything to say on that? We're part of the bootleg. Well, uh, just to put my two cents in it. I just think Prince is really out of touch, and that's just uh, a problem with the with the music execs in general. Um, I don't understand why he was doing this. He he feels disrespected, but I'm like, dude, you can't stop this. Suing him is not going to stop this. You need to figure out a way. Is it a, is about you need your money or you don't want your content out there? Because you need to figure out which is more important to you, getting your money or not having the content. Now, if it's not having the content, you're, he's never going to stop that. And it just makes him look out of touch, outdated, not cool with the times. And, not, and instead of trying to figure out a new way to disseminate his music, he's... So he's being like the cranky old man, you know, get off my lawn, give me back my music type thing. And that, that's, I didn't say I have an issue with him with that, but it's just not a good look for him to continue to be this outdated with the, uh, the new digital music age. Hey, Mike, I, I'd, I'd add to that that I agree with, with, with what he just said, that it just, it's just not a good look. I mean, he is very, very far behind the times. I mean, just, you, you know... It confuses me why artists so great would want to limit his exposure on, on the Internet. I mean, it, you can rebel against the Internet all you want, and I know we, we all know that he's never been that thrilled with it, you know, from the beginning. But the reality is, man, when you go so far as to do this and you go so far as to take all your content off of YouTube, I mean, there's millions of people, man, that go back and just... That's how they keep in touch with old music, man. It's through YouTube. <clears throat> so you're right. effectively silencing any way for any current and future generations to even know who you are. You know, I, it, it does make him look behind the times. And although on the one hand, I understand it's within his right to do this. I just think, man, the bad PR coupled with it's just going to leave a bad taste in, in a lot of people's mouths, man. And it's going to turn some people off. Man. It may not turn us off. As the as the hardcore faithful, if you will, but it may even turn some you know some some people of our ilk off as well, man. It's just right. I don't know. It just the, seems like he could have not went this way. Yeah, I think you have uh, kind of like two 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 main things that that, you, that you're looking at on this. You know, there's the musical legacy of things, and then there's the money legacy of things, and both of them I think bode negatively for Prince in the in the way that he's doing this. First, on the legacy end, like you, like you said, Big Ken, that he's got his legacy is part of these 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 boots, these older recordings. These are all part of the legacy because they all lead to where we're at now. So it's part of a history, and those who are willing to want to get the most out of history for this guy's uh, thing, you know, history is just another word for legacy on there. And that's if he wants this is part of the whole history and people want to collect that. I, I see no real issue in that. And I think that's good. As far as from a money standpoint, you're like, well, one of two things, either release these things out in good quality and make the money off of it that way, or put your focus money wise. If the money is the issue where I think it should be 
don't worry so much about the release, the the music release, but worry some more on other avenues to make the money. Um, primarily the the live aspect. And I'm sure he does that. So it might be more uh, a legacy thing. But again, your legacy is defined by your past, man, and 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 what you're going to be doing in the future, which will become past anyhow. So let let the past speak for itself, and and if anything, make it make that voice of of the past even better, louder, prettier. Make it in good quality and release it yourself. People will get it. I remember getting the 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 black album on vinyl in ninety nineteen ninety, and it's funny. I got it on vinyl. I didn't even I didn't even have a, a record player, so I didn't actually listen to it for about two, almost three years after I got it. And then when it came out in '94, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna get this," and I got it legitimately that way too. But I wanted to hear what it was all about because I was interested in that history of it. Bootlegging though is a different thing, but acquiring it and listening to it, you know, that's something that I think uh, people should be should ease off on. All right. Well, that that sort of leads us into one of the main questions we want to ask today um, in terms of unreleased music. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about the act of bootlegging uh, where we are uh, distributing unreleased music. I am talking about us as fans listening to unreleased music. And my question is, and this was a question that was posed on the site, I believe it was uh, P. Dexter, would you still be a fan a hardcore fan of Prince today, if you had never had access or heard any unreleased music and or the videos. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. Because when I got when I got really deep into it was back in a uh, post-controversy, 19, you know, pre-1999. And then when Little Red Corvette came out and I believe the B-side to that was Irresistible Bitch. I'm like, okay, what is going on here? So he was doing enough B-sides up and through, you know, that time up to the mid-'80s that you kept, he kept enough things fresh and out there. And then you have performances that you did see when he w- was on the Grammys that year, and he just blew it to bits. So, no, I definitely – I mean, the, the other things enhance it, but it doesn't make it more or less – it doesn't make it less desirable if I didn't have these things. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I I think I started collecting boots because I was a hardcore fan, and it just it just strengthened that uh, that foundation. I got my first uh, first taste of that of the, that market in I think '88. Uh, a friend of mine gave me a cassette. It had uh, uh, the alternate version of Darling Nikki, the beautiful ones. I think um, possessed uh, irresistible bitch, and that just you know, blew my mind, and I'm like, where can I get more of this? You know, and, but I think it was because I was a hardcore fan. You know, if someone get, gave me, you know, a boot of somebody I didn't care for, I, you know, I probably wouldn't even listen to it. But it was the fact that I was a hardcore fan. All right, yep, I agree. I agree with that because I didn't really, you know, in the early, you know, I got really, really into Prince right around 1999, Purple Rain, around one of the days. You know, that's where I really just got, got thrown in head first with that. But just like you guys, I was enamored with the whole 12 and single B side. So I went out, I made the point about all those. It was enough just with the B side, just like the, the, the last two guys said. That was enough to really just solidify the deal for me. Now, years later, right around maybe 1988, somewhere around there, a friend of mine 
somehow found a copy of, you know, that probably was a crappy copy of, of the album at that time. So I had a cassette of that that he gave me. But other than that, I didn't get into any kind of procuring of bootlegs until to many years later. I mean, I just didn't have access to it. The, the low record stores, they had have any. They have, you know, I, I very rarely saw any of that stuff in the stores where I, where I grew up. So I didn't come into that until later. But the bootlegs really, to me, only serve to solidify, you know, the genius that we already know. It just further makes you further appreciate it. Yeah. But I was already gone to be a hard fan long before, you know, bootleg recordings even got into the, to the picture. There was a magazine that was out, and I won't name it because I don't even know if they, they're still around, but they used to um, advertise. Well, all, it was a different, it was for just all kind of different record shops all over the nation. Was it like a newspapers type of book? Yeah. Say the name, yeah. that's fine. Goldmine. Yes. Uh, do you, I remember buying that magazine religiously mm-hmm. and too. going page by page, anything that said Prince, circle. Yep. And earmark the page and just go through it, go through it. And then this was, of course, before the internet. I would write the company or call the company and say, hey, can you send me a list mm-hmm. of what you have? And I'd get the list and then I'd, you know. So it. Th- being able to get it digitally kind of takes the fun out of it, <laughs> so to speak. I mean, that was my, that's my memory of, of collecting things from, from that era. You know, I'm glad you brought that gold mine up. I forgot what the name of that was, but I used to buy that. I used to go to Tower Records. <laughs> I would pick that, that thing up. There, I remember there was an issue where they covered prints one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I still have it. Oh, nice. But yeah, well, go ahead. You know, I, I have to dig it up, but I, I know I still have it. Yeah, you, you guys. You mentioned it right right now. My Tower Records and stuff. See, I came from a small, very small community. I didn't even have Tower Records. For me, if I'm going to go get myself an album, I'm going to go out to Kmart or Walmart. Mm-hmm. If there is, if there was a Walmart, then I don't remember. But those, that was my only outlet, or a mom and pop record store that dealt only with legitimate releases of any kind of music and then I, even then there i had the special order prince right to come in because he wasn't like the mainstream cap for what mom and pop were selling so you know me i didn't even know what a bootleg was until 15 16 years old i mentioned earlier getting the black album black album and chocolate box were my first boots ever that I, that i ever got and it was, and it was only because I was visiting a friend over in L.A. We went out to walking around different stores. He said, hey, check out this record shop. I saw all kinds of stuff there. A buddy of mine there was in there and said, hey, check it out. They got this bootleg stuff from the Smiths. Uh, no, Yeah, from the Smiths. And I said, okay, well, what's that? Oh, bootleg. So he gave me a definition. Oh, all right. So there I go over to the section. I'm always looking in between Elvis Presley and Queen. And there was Prince. <laughs> and I look and I go, oh, all right. Oh, what's this? What's that? And oh man, it just opened my mind up. But see, up until then, I was see. You got to realize that for me, Prince was kind of like um, his music was how do I say it? like a constant positive? I guess you could say for me growing up in my formative years, it's always a good thing to have a constant positive. And for him, he was kind of like the music, not him, but the music was kind of like a, a, a soundtrack to my youth. There was always a song, always an album that I could relate to, whatever feeling I had to it. And I guess that's probably why I'm so partial to those earlier albums. But that was that. So I was always going to be a big Prince fan anyhow, whether I heard these, these, the boots or not. Hearing the boots, then 
had me open up the question, you know, am I a fan of the music or the fan of the musicianship? Seeing all these other boots, hearing all these other boots, seeing these, these live shows and everything like that made me a major fan of Prince the Musician, the musicianship behind it. And, and it, it still blows my mind to this day whenever something new comes out and comes along, you know. I mean, everything was cool listening to Baby Go-Go as far as it went. And then I heard the rest of it, and it just blew my mind all over again about a year and a half ago. And I was like a little giddy kid again because that just added a little bit more to that history, that little bit of void that, that I needed. And you know what? It's, it leads sometimes to me to, be, to look at other, other things Prince-related. You know, here, you know, he did, I, I hear an early version of Manic Monday sung by Apollonia, and I thought, oh, and I connect the dots to the current one. And, uh, or hearing, you got the right one, baby, and think, what? He did that? And, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it, just it, it really connects a lot of dots and makes the man more fascinating for me. And, you know, it, it, just, it just opened my mind to a whole bunch more. So I, I was still a fan, a fan of the music. I became a fan of the uh, of the artists and the musicianship a lot because a lot more because of the the boots. I, I would have to co-sign that pretty pretty to the fullest, and because my experience is I was I was a hardcore fan. Too. I still am, but I was a hardcore fan before I heard of the first unreleased thing I got. And I remember this girl gave me this tape. It was called the Royal Jewels or something like that. Yeah, I remember that one. And yeah. this was probably this was when the hits came out. I, I remember that, and it was, was this is the first time I heard uh, it had Data Bank on it, and uh, We Can Funk, you know that whole piece, and yeah. that damn near blew my <laughs> head open. I was like, I already knew Prince was dope and stuff, but I didn't know it was like this. You know, I just I, I seen the hints in live performances that I had either personally witnessed or saw on TV, but this was like. Ah, you freaking kidding. I was like, God damn. The rest of the tape was so bad quality, but I didn't care. It was like it was just giving me some stuff that I was like, damn. Cause his music had changed at that point a little bit. This was when he was doing the symbol thing. And so this stuff had stuff that was before that. And I was like, there's actually more of that style of the <laughs> prince that I love. I'd have never known, right? I was like, God damn. And that really piqued my interest. The next thing that I got was actually what we talked about the last couple of shows. Uh, for those of you on volume, mm-hmm. I had found a record store. It was an old mom and pop store. I didn't know there was even bootlegs that existed. <laughs> and they happened to have this record in there. The guy was like, look over here. I was like, what the fuck? And not, I thought maybe it was real. Like, did Prince put this out? Like, wh- who makes these, right? But I bought it. I actually bought that. And I bought another record. It was the Mojo interview from Detroit, I believe. But I put that record on. And when I got to uh, Strange Relationships, it was like uh, I was at Mecca. You know, I turned the lights. I I turned the lights off, had candles, (laughs) candles going. I was like, this is that shit. Like, God damn, I knew this dude was on some other stuff. Blew me away. I became hardcore. I was like, okay. And then again, uh, Goldmine, that magazine, I sent away for the Love Sexy videos. Came in the mail. I went and grabbed Tobias. My Nick, we gonna, you will have to sit down and watch. We watched that. 
And even though we had seen the Love Sexy show personally, it was just too much for us to take at the time. To sit down and really, really watch it, digest it, mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is that motherfucker. Like, God, I was hard. That carried me. So I, I say this to answer the question. If I didn't have the unreleased stuff, I would not be the hardcore fan I am today. I would be a fan, no doubt about it. But I would have had in my mind as the records he put out, killer. But I was like, there was something that happened, uh, you know, by Graffiti Bitch Bat- Batman. That something, it ain't, it ain't the same, you know, it sounds different. Not that I don't like it, but I love this stuff. And so without being able to hear the greatness of 86, uh, you know, through 88 prints that, never, that wasn't released properly, I would not be the hardcore I would, if I had never seen, um, for those of you on volume, if I had never gotten uh, Small Club Boot and got to listen to oh, that and then it's entirely, and I'm like, God damn, you, are you telling me, uh, you know, the guitar solo in my imagination, that is another one of those, I'm turning the lights off, nigga. This, it, I'm at the concert, I'm going to study this, this is my guidebook. I wouldn't be the hardcore dude I am today. I would be a Prince fan, but I would have said after uh, when he got to after the symbol album, I would have been like he, he playing around. Even the whole gold experience where we've talked about in, de- you know, in detail, a lot of that didn't. Really, if we wouldn't have had the unreleased stuff, we would have missed a lot of all of that Damn. greatness. And my- Mike, you, you mentioned something that, that I don't think we ever really touched on, kind of maybe a little bit here and there, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Sometimes, for example, you take uh, Purple Rain and uh, Around the World in a Day, and we, we've spoken very much uh, at length as to how people were turned off. The average listener was turned off from one to the other or from, say, you take the span, even one step beyond that, uh, from, from Around the World in a Day over to Parade, how a lot of people were turned off from there. Right. But there's a lot of history in between in the form of boots, in the form of all these other tracks that show you that, that morphing of the, of the guy. He, it, this wasn't just a night and day thing where he said, you know what, fuck right. it, I'm going to do Around the World in a Day now. I don't want to do Parade no more. No, no, he, he moved his way over to that. And there's tracks that, that allow you to see that that growth transition. and that that transition there you go and and to the common listener they, they they don't they don't see that so it's easy to get tuned out but when you see all that then you you really can get a very good appreciation of it and, and prince if you're listening man this is out of pure love that we talk about this stuff because it, there there there's the history there that we just we're not. I mean, listen, Mike. The way you the way you give that presentation there, you're passionate about it, and that and as am I. Because for me, it's like, man, you know, this is this is the behind the scenes stuff that tells you who who the person is, musicianship wise. You know, and oh man, it's 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 beautiful. But yeah, there's a reason why there's a transition there. Well, yeah, you you, you know what? Oh, funny, what's funny is that all all of us have it sounds to me that all of us and probably all the listeners of this probably ever had. Similar experiences in terms of head busting effect. You just hear those bootlegs, especially Golden, we all that we all love so much. But one of the funniest that I that I like to at is when I somebody else that I know who thinks they know Prince hears some of that shit for the first time, and you get to see you get to see that visual head busting moment, man. Because not last summer I. Hey Ken, you know, I got my Ken, we talk Ken, about all the time. Yo. Ken, real quick, let me, let's recall you because you're cutting out 
are pretty bad. And you're making some good points. Can I take you out and pull you right back in, and then you can say that part? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, who's the other person that was going to say something real quick? That was going to be Aunt Pooh. Oh, uh, that was me. <laughs> go ahead, Aunt, then we'll go to Sean. Uh, yeah, my thing was is uh, I, I have had an on and off uh, love affair with uh, Prince's music. You know, like everybody else, I jumped in on Purple Rain. Um, then I kind of fell off around uh, Batman and uh, Diamonds and uh, Graffiti Bridge. And then I jumped back on with Diamonds and Pearls. Fell off after that till like, I want to say 2001, 2002 after uh, the uh, Symbol album. I always wanted to root for him. I know Michael Jackson was that dude, but I just felt that uh, Prince's music, he he, he, he was just kind of captivating. I, I hate to be like uh, Jamie Foxx and say he had that aura that, you know, you look in his eyes and, you know, you, you, you lose a little bit of your masculinity. But... That was that was the, the on and off I had with his music, and I guess it was the boots and just reading up on him, the things he was doing. Like up until two thousand one, two thousand two, I had no idea he was playing all the instruments and producing all the music. I thought for sure that it was Prince and the Revolution. I had no idea what went into uh, making songs and music and finding out that he wrote, produced, arranged all that music. It just blew my mind. And then when I'm finding, thank you, Napster, you know. You, you got to go ahead and give its props. If it wasn't for Napsters, I would not have found all those live recordings from like 1980, soft and wet from the, from Atlanta, which to me just that blew my mind. I was like, wow, I love that instrumentation. Hearing Still Waiting, hearing um, mm-hmm. um, bits and pieces of the parade tour. Um, I think the, the one I, I liked the most was uh, Life Could Be So Nice. And I, I just, I, I always love uh, rocking out to that one. And then... 2004, 2005, when uh, all of a sudden, you know, sorry, RIP, Housequake, loved the org as well, being told that, hey, you got to listen to this Love Sexy Son of the Time band. You got to listen to um, the bootlegs from Sign of the Times. You got to find the original recording of uh, We Can Funk. So I, I went around, scoured the internet, found them, and then it was just like, okay, Prince is the greatest musician, songwriter of the 20th century. No disrespect to the Beatles, no disrespect to Stevie Wonder. Sorry, Prince is that dude, and it is because of all of this unauthorized release music out there. All right, uh, before we go to Sean, Ken, are you back? Yeah, I'm in. They're, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you sound totally. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, my, it, was pro- it was my, it was, it was my probably my Bluetooth headset. Man, uh, okay, got, you, my yeah. bad. Go ahead. It was is that you know we we all have those moments and and I think we all you know agree you know on the value of bootlegs and, and why we why we love them so much. I was just saying to sometimes see the physical manifestation of that is when you see somebody that thinks they know Prince and you watch them listen to it for the first time and they you can see that head busting moment. Like I was what I was saying was last year I was in the car with some friends of mine and I'm playing Purple Rain. You know of course they all know Purple Rain. You know, they sing along the songs as they know it from the album. But I'm playing the, you know, full uncut basic version of it. And they, these guys singing the lyrics and the lyrics ain't what they supposed to be. They start freaking out. And he's like, what the hell is this? Where, where'd you get this from? And I'm like, well, you know, you know, that's on a need to know basis, partner. <laughs> you know? Nice. You know, and, and you know, then 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 they want then they start wanting to know about other stuff. So then I place, you know, some data bank or you know, a white girls or something like that that they ain't never heard. And you can just you can just see it, man. And so that 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 effect is universal to all of us. I just don't know why he, I mean, like I said, man, it's Prince's music. 
he can do what he wants to do. You know, we have to respect that. But I just don't think that he realizes the value that us as fans put on it. And and to 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 piggyback what Ernie said, it's all about love. That's what this that's what this is. And I just it kind of it kind of confuses me why he doesn't see it that way. But you know, it is what it is, I guess. All right. Uh, real quick, uh, at my old job, uh, I used to work a lifestyle agency with a bunch of young cats between twenty to twenty four. There was one song I put on from Prince. Everybody's like, "Why you like Prince? Why you like Prince?" I put on one song that blew their freaking minds. I think a couple of them got moist. Electric in oh. a course. Oh, electric in a course. They they were like, "Damn!" I'm like, "Yep, yep." You'll never hear that again, though. Sean, <laughs> Sean Hill, we wanted to get to you. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what I was going to say is as far as uh, collecting and, and whatnot and being the hardcore fan, for me personally, like, for instance, I have made it my life's mission to have a CD slash video document of not only every tour, but of shows that I was personally at. And again, just that's something that a hardcore fan is going to do is probably not just your, your average guy. Um and I mean, just collecting and and being that kind of way. I don't know if you guys are, are have done that or have attempted to do that, but again, that's just something that that we as hardcore fans uh, are able to do. Yeah. I, uh, um, did you answer? You answered the question originally, uh, Big Sexy, right? Yeah, I did. But I just wanted to add that you know when I was a kid, because uh, the person who posted the question mentioned the phrase bootleg culture. This ain't new. Okay, this is not new. When I was a kid, I was a huge KISS fan, and I was from Berkeley one day, cutting school. No one, kids stay in school. And <laughs> I walked into um, Rasputin Records, and there was this white album with, like, a Xerox paper for the cover. I'm like, the fuck is this? It said, KISS destroys Anaheim. I'm like, what is this? You know, I picked it up, bought it, went home, and like, oh, this is a bootleg. And then on the old What's Happening show, they talked about bootlegging with the Dewey Brothers. So I knew what it was. And then I saw stores in Berkeley that had them. I'm like, I got to have these things. And with, as far as Prince, if I didn't have the access to the other unreleased stuff, I remember walking into Tower Records and seeing Exodus in the CD stack. Because I would always hit the Prince stack. And I saw Exodus, and I'm like, what is this? Took that home, blew my mind. Same thing when I picked up the uh, Undertaker laser disc. I'm like, okay, what is this? So it wasn't necessarily bootleg stuff. It's also stuff that's not available here, like the Love Sexy album or tour, like Undertaker, like Sacrifice of Victor. So when you, when you find that on top of the official stuff too, it's the same effect. It's something more than the norm. It's yeah. funny you say that. Uh, the stores that I used to go to, they they stopped calling them bootlegs, and they would call them imports. Yep. Uh, remember, I, I, <laughs> That's I told, right, man. remember I told the story about uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. They uh, had come into the store and they saw their stuff, and they pulled everything. So when I went back to the the same store where I used to always get my my print stuff, I would say, "Hey, let, let me see your Prince boots." And the guy looks at me and he says, uh, we don't sell bootlegs. We sell imports. And he kind of like gives me a look. And I was like, OK, can I see your prints imports? <laughs> sure. And he pulls out the box. And <laughs> <laughs> so so, just, you know, I guess they were trying to change the changing the name, changing the culture, changing the mindset. We're not, you know, bootleg has such a, you know, a negative connotation where the word import does not yeah, import. Wink, wink. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I just think, you know, and I think traditionally there's always been, you know, the bootleg has always been the live concert. You know, when you when you go to some of these other sites that carry bootlegs, majority of the 99 percent of it, because there's more than just Prince there, there's usually all live recordings. But I think mm-hmm. the key difference with Prince is that he has more unreleased music out there, bootlegs, than it would be live recordings. And I think that's one of the key differences. Like, I, I, mean, I love his live recordings. But again, essentially getting the undocumented, you know, snapshots of different eras of Prince, uh, I, I, again, the parade era, the, the, you know, all of that stuff, that's what I was like, there's more study material here. <laughs> like, are you serious? Why didn't this come out? This is an amazing song. Like, and you can, some of the songs come out later. Some of them never come out. Um, some of them he tried to do now, extra lovable, right? But I was like, these are dope songs that if I didn't have these, I would, again, I don't think I would be as hard as I am now. Like if I never had gotten the Studio Nights box set when that came out, for me, that's one of the greatest bootleg unreleased box sets of all time, at least at that particular time, because it had every era. It was, the first one was, you know, the pre-Warner days, you know, the, the the rebels unreleased joint you know the this era and i was like and it was all high quality and I, and you know, when i heard uh she got to shake something i was like ah oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> this if yeah. i don't have if i didn't have that yeah i wouldn't half of those songs on there is my favorite songs of all time yeah. so do you guys re- do you guys remember the labels different labels uh Sabotage, uh, oh, yeah. Thunderball, and mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, the, the guy had like literally labels coming out for his bootlegs, that which is, I don't think any other artist has probably ever had that before. Yeah, they, they put a lot of recordings too. Yeah, yeah they oh, put a yeah, lot they, of work the into those. Now, I don't personally, I don't, uh, I, I respect the love of the material, but I don't really think it's right for them to to sell these things. That was just my only contention with those guys. Like I was, I never bought any of those. I was only, the only really? one I, I will admit, the only one that I ever bought was studio nights. Um, but other than that, and, and then after that, sort of the Napster and the file sharing sort of exploded. And I was like, listen, if I see something online and there's a link, I'm going to click on it. You know, I'll be damned. You can yeah, send the Sue letters to me. But, I was never going to spend no money as I felt like that money is supposed to go to Prince. Like this shit is dope. He needs to get this. If I was going to buy some money, then he would have to be the one to sell it. I just didn't think Kat should have been taking money per se for that. That's just my own personal stance. Well, unfortunately for me, I, you know, I was collecting back in the eighties, so I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have that option. No, I wish I, I did. Yeah, <laughs> right. I and I, I didn't either. Else. I mean, again, when you had gold mine, the, yeah, the guys charging twenty dollars for a VHS tape. You, you didn't have no choice. I mean, that was the only way yeah. you could get. It's interesting to, to, to note of that that you made a great point. That was before the internet, so you literally had to right. send a letter to this person, and yep. then they had to send that letter back to you, the catalog or whatever it is that you bought. I mean, that's just amazing uh, that that sort of could exist. Or, or in my case, like I had to travel two hundred something miles to get to LA to go to these record shops wow. and go get something like that. You know, I mean, I I didn't even know about gold mining or anything like that. 
Yes. Oh, gold mine was literally a gold mine. It was the best. <laughs> it was the best. It sounds like it. Yeah. 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 I I still have this too. This one lady, she sent me a, a handwritten list of all these tapes that she had. She had every Love Sexy show on on cassette tape and sent me a list of how long it was, you know, if, if there was anything special about the show, you mm. know, a performance or whatever. Uh, and, of course, I got the one that I was actually attended in Atlanta. Um, nice, you know, she wrote on it and had the song titles and all that. But just, just the, I won't say care, but just the time and energy that, that this lady took to, to catalog all that stuff yeah. was amazing. Yeah, real quick, I remember... Um I don't know if I got this off of eBay or Goldmine, but I remember sending away for um, it was a Jesse Johnson VHS tape, and it was from a fan, and they had contabulate or tabulated all TV appearances that he had ever done, his videos, and it was all in you know random sort of uh, quality, but it was like a whole tape of Jesse shit, and I also had like a whole tape of print shit. I remember they would be like. All of the TV, rare TV appearances and award show appearances and just all this crazy stuff. And I used to love those types of tapes. They were like mixtapes, basically. It was like, you want a Prince video mixtape? Here, here. Here's all the shit from this era to this era. I just thought those were so... You could feel the love when and those fans made those. I even remember one of those collectors sent me a preview videotape where he literally oh, wow. he had a video camera in his hand and he was filming his collection. Right, and he would put on the TV like, "Here's what's on the parade show video. Here's what's on the da da da." And he would show the tour books. He had them all like, I was like, "Damn, this cat is deep." And it made me like, I was like, oh, "I wish I had all that." You know, God, I want that. I want that. But it was just—it was an amazing time. It was interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, I re- I recall like like I had mentioned earlier when I got uh, um, uh, the Black Album. And I got that one and Chocolate Box at the same time. And I didn't hear, like I said, a couple of years later when I actually had a, a turntable to put something like that on. I was listening to it. And, for instance, I can understand why Prince doesn't want sometimes these boots out because on the one that I had, the Black Album, maybe you guys have heard it as well, the end of uh, Rock Hard in a Funky Place is a loop. It just would just loop over and over again on the on the vinyl that I had on the on the uh, um, on the saxophone part on it. It'd be like for like seventeen times that thing would loop, and then it would just stop. So forever, I thought that's the end. that's how that song ends. So here I get the 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 truly released version of it when it came out. I got it because I'm okay. It's gonna sound better, and I'm listening to it, listening for parts that are different and in my mind i'm thinking this is how rock hard and funky play is going to end so when i came to to that track i knew that that the loop was going to come up okay i ever I, I know how that ends i ever heard it and i stopped it i didn't hear it i didn't listen for it uh i just stopped the cd it wasn't until about two or three listens later where i was doing something in the, and the cd was playing and and i didn't have time to stop it i just let it play and while i heard the true ending of that the last 30 45 seconds of it that really worked for, and it blew my mind right there I'm like, what? Doesn't he say something or something at the end? Oh, no, no. Yeah, he's always like, what kind of fuck ending was that yeah. at the very end? But I mean, the, the whole part, you know, where I don't even remember the lyrics on it. I saw a few times that, um, where, where he says, and something to believe, there's a God above. Uh, I don't remember, like the, the very last lyric parts of it. 
And I, I never heard that part before because on the vinyl that I had, it looped and looped and looped. So I'd be like, well, Prince would have probably told me, see, this is why I don't want you to listen to those because that's <laughs> not how I intended it. This is how I intended it, which is ironic because the release was just to get out of contract and all. But still, I mean, I listened to it and, and it, it threw me off, you know. But, yeah, that's – I mean, we all have crazy stories with stuff like that. It's nuts. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I thought about it. And I'll let someone else have the last word on this, but I just thought that question, I was like, if when I got to, you know, my other great album is Rainbow Children for me. But after Rainbow Children, uh, I'm, I'm, casual, I'm a casual fan of pretty much every single album after Rainbow Children, maybe to, with the exclusion of 2010. Which I, I still sometimes play that a little bit. But those other albums that followed that, I was a casual Prince fan of those albums. Like, yeah. I, I treated those I how my cousin used to treat Prince after Purple Rain. And she was a hardcore fan before that, but she became a very casual fan of Prince at that point. And I sort of felt like that's me with the new stuff. But the thing is, it keeps me so rooted into it again. I have all this great stuff to listen to. And the trinkle, maybe once a year, there'll be that golden sort of thing that comes out. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn, yes. You know, I, I remember we did a whole show about it when the uh, birthday show came out from First Avenue, where they do mm-hmm. um, uh, it, uh, what's the uh, something garden, Roadhouse garden, Roadhouse garden. So yeah, yeah when something like that, I was like, ah, okay, there's another jewel just dropped. This will carry me. On. <laughs> you know, it makes me remember. But uh, yeah, I know. So I became a casual fan of the new stuff. So for me, yeah, I have to have my my stuff. Uh, to carry me forward. Anyone want the last word on this before we go and change yeah. something? All right. So quickly, I wanted to get you guys this take. T- tomorrow is the Super Bowl. And of course, there's a big thing that's going to be happening with Prince World. He is going to be a guest star on the sitcom New Girl. And they have started to release a lot of clips uh, from the episode. Uh, so I quickly just wanted to go around the room and uh, ask if you've seen it and sort of what your quick thoughts were. Uh, so Big Ken, have, yes, you seen, sir. have you seen any of these clips? <clears throat> well, let me first say I, I have never seen this show. I don't know anything about the show. Um, but I did see the one clip where I guess he, him and the, the chick, they were eating pancakes or she was supposed to be eating pancakes. And I just thought to myself, man, I mean, it, I'm going to watch it. But, but what Prince has that's funny is that he's capable of this deadpan humor, right? Where like, in that clip, anyway, it was funny because it seems like he wasn't trying to be funny. I mean, he's sitting there with this half puffy, half picked out afro, <laughs> you know, and then she she calls him stupid or something. And he just looks at her with this really deadpan look. And, and it's actually kind of amusing. So I'm curious to see what the show will do. But I don't know anything about the show to really speak on it. But I'm, I'm going to watch it. All right. Uh, day dropping. Well, I, I, I do watch the show. I think I think the show's hilarious myself. Uh, when I heard that it was going to be coming out on it, my biggest worry was that he was uh, just going to be there for a couple of seconds and that's it, or that they were just going to see him performing a song and that was it. And if you're lucky, you were able to see him for a second or two. I actually didn't think that he was going to be having speaking roles or be uh, 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 an actual part of that episode uh, where he has something to do with that episode. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I did see all the all the promo clips for it. And uh, I think it's very funny. I think anybody who really knows a lot about 
Prince and the Prince stories uh, are really going to get a kick out of it because they reference so many things. You see him with the pancakes. You see him uh, uh, playing uh, table tennis. And folks, folks probably be like, huh? If those who know, they get a kick out of that automatically. And then with the deadpan looks, he's, I, mean, I, I think it's cool. I think it's cool. And, and, and he wanted to do it. So, you know, if anything, I wonder how much input he had on the writing of his parts. I'm just curious of that, if anything. All right. Uh, Aunt Pooh. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know if it was Sean or, uh, or Q-Storm who uh, had issues with some of the uh, clips that were out. I, I, I enjoyed this. I, I really did. I thought there was a lot of good, funny moments. Like you see, you mentioned the, the table tennis thing. The moment I saw that, and she, and she says, what is this supposed to be teaching me? Because this was supposed to be a montage of her of him teaching her how to to say i love you and she's just standing there they're playing table tennis and prince slams on her and he's like what is this supposed to be teaching me and we all know what that's and you know any like you say any diehard prince fans knows how competitive he is and you know the story about him and michael jackson i i I think that this this really makes me uh harken back to under the cherry moon as far as the the way he's uh, presenting himself and i i I wasn't really that uh, looking forward to this. I, w- I was going to tune in as a Prince fan, but now I'm a little more um, excited to see, okay, what else are they throwing up in there? I really got to think that uh, Neil Brennan, that's the uh, writer for The Chappelle Show, uh, had to have had his hand in uh, helping to craft this story to incorporate some of these Prince um, segments. All right, and, and shout out to Neil Brennan. If I'm not mistaken, he is a part of the Champs podcast. Yep. Uh, oh, okay, you're familiar with that. Yeah, I just got up. Oh, on yeah. That. Yeah. Uh, they do have it's a great a crazy, It's a crazy show, man. It's a crazy show. Yeah, I'm listening to the one with uh, Big Daddy Kane. That's good, good stuff. Um, uh, Big Sexy. You know, Prince, I've seen the clips. Prince has such, and Jeremy Fox said it first, the guy can command you on screen. He's got a presence on him. And the thing is, when they did Under the Cherry Moon, he was trying too hard to act. He doesn't need to act. Just be you, and people will watch. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing it because he's he's got like there there are a few guys you know that that come to mind: Sam Elliott, Don Cornelius, Richard Roundtree, Prince. They've got this cool about them on screen, and he, he just sits there. Oh, Sam Elliott was bad back in the day. Don't even start, man. <laughs> um, Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And he uh, he just has this this presence that whatever he's doing, you're watching. He's he's playing ping pong. You're watching. He's talking about pancakes, and we know about the pancakes thing from Dave Chappelle. Yet you're watching. The guy c- can command, you know, the screen, and he's got a great presence. I'm looking forward to seeing it. You know, if he if he sat down, or, or if he just had a camera just follow him, like the Kevin Smith stuff that we're never going to see, that would be amazing to watch. Just oh. fly on the wall with that guy. All right. Um, Sean, I'm going to get your take. I'm going to add this to it. What do you think this uh, show, will it have any impact? Uh, will it translate to uh, people wanting to buy his music or go to his show? What, what do you think was going to come mm. out of this? I wonder where that, where that question is stemming <laughs> from. Uh, <Yeah>. First, <laughs> first let, me, uh, let me echo uh, Big Sexy and, uh, and saying that um, – Sam Elliott was the coolest white man uh, back in the 80s. 
So I just want to give you support on that. Thank you. Uh, Uh, (laughs) uh, As far as the show, I haven't watched the clips. I'm a guy that I like to go into something not knowing anything about it. So I haven't I haven't looked at him. I've I've only just seen the the stills that, you know, him sitting on the bench between the guy and the girl. That's the only thing that I've seen. So I want to go into it fresh and and be surprised and, and laugh along with them. Uh, now, as far as will it translate to sales, I I hope so. I mean, is it? Wouldn't that be really the point uh, of doing it? And one of the things that I was thinking with the lawsuit and why he dropped at least maybe for now is because he's getting such good press from the show appearance, not having this the negative aspect out from the lawsuit. Maybe one had to do with the other. Don't know. Just just throwing it out there. Um, but again, that would hopefully be the end result of of this appearance. Would be to generate, you know, people go to iTunes or Google and, and buy his stuff. Uh, I don't know if he's, you know, going to perform on the sh- on the show or if they're going to feature any songs, you know, past or present on the show. You would hope so, you know, to get, again just to spark that interest. But typically with Prince, he's one of those rare cats that you know can come out somewhere like. Um, what was it, I think American Idol or somewhere where he doesn't hasn't made a singing appearance. I think it was maybe the Grammys, and you know he shut Twitter down just walking out on stage. So he's one of those rare people that can do that. So maybe just people seeing his face and going, "Oh yeah, I remember him." Let me let me go back and let me buy Purple Rain or let me buy Sign of the Times or, or nineteen ninety nine. So hopefully that will be the end result of it. All right, I want. Wonder- well, I- Oh, Real ahead. quick, Mike. I mean, uh, the the premise I think on this episode that a couple of the female leads on the show get invited to a uh, a prince party. So it wouldn't be too crazy to think that maybe at least in the background, pay close attention, you might hear some new stuff. It wouldn't be surprising. In no way do I know, but I wouldn't be surprised by that. Now, for those who have not seen the show, really quickly, um, so that it doesn't distract from watching it for the sake of watching what Prince does on it. I like, I kind of compare it to family guy, the cartoon being done live action. There's a lot of flashback moments that they do to explain the jokes and stuff that happens an awful lot on this show. So, um, and it's, it's real goofy like that, like the way family guy is goofy. So, you know, just for those who 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 are listening, but ain't watched it or anything like that, just know that that's the nature of that show. It's goofy like that. Some would say stupid, dumb, but it's goofy that way. All right. I was going to add, I wonder if this is uh, going to maybe spawn possibly some other uh, acting performances by him. Uh, you know, this is a comedy show. I, I've never seen it personally, but I hear it's a comedy. And I'm sure he's playing up the laughs and he's playing himself. So I wonder if this may open the door possibly, at least from a casual persons watching this like hey you know that dude is kind of funny like he seems cool i don't i wonder if this will sort of give him more of a personable sort of uh appearance to people like yeah i know prince is he seemed like he was always kind of weird or something you hear these weird stories about him but i saw him on this tv show and he was hysterical like this guy's funny you know i wonder will will that surface itself later will he be more sort of funny in his shows or something or give those looks that are sort of make you want to laugh so i'm curious if that spawns that sort of uh uh, perception from the casual viewers of, of Prince. Um, with, as long oh, as ahead. long as he doesn't give the Bella Lugosi look, then uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. We'll, we'll be fine. 
Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What uh, if it works? Hey, you never know. I, I, I would wa- I would love him to do another movie where he can act funny and be a fool. I, I mean, I like Under Trey Oh, I do too. I, I love yeah. it. Me too. All right. No bath scenes. No bath scenes, though. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, yeah, it might it really could probably play well now, right? I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're right along here. <laughs> you know, that one, Mike. You know, oh. I mean, the it today, you know, but... Uh, Nonetheless, yo, we want to thank you, the listeners, for listening to this. We're going to get up and wrap this up, get up out of here. But before we do, quick shout-outs to everyone in the room. Uh, Mr. Big Ken, thank you for coming through. And where can people find you online? Uh, I'm glad to be here, man. It was good, nice, and fun. They can catch me at uh, www.theflavorfoundation.com, man. All right, all right. And Mr. Day Dropping, where can they find you? Uh, well, really, probably the only place to find me on Facebook uh, under Ernie Wiles. You'll find me there. Ernie, last name W-Y-L-E-S. And uh, that's where you find me. Thanks for having me. All right. Mr. Sean Hill, where can they find you, sir? All right. You can find me at uh, on Twitter, Hill Street Views with a Z. Um, also, I have a Facebook page, Real Movie Talk, R-E-E-L, Movie Talk. Uh, doing a couple of contests and giveaways there, so uh, come like the page. And you can also find my reviews uh, on podcastjuice.net and on hillstreetviews.blogspot.com. All right, Mr. Ant Pooh, where can we reach you, sir? Uh, I'll be up on 411mania.com. Got another column coming out tomorrow. In the vein of CM Punk leaving the WWE, I'll be highlighting the top eight departures in comic books. All right. And Mr. Big Sexy and Sack, how about you, sir? Uh, for right now, I can be found on Facebook, and I am on Twitter under Big Sexy and Sack. But I was at a MCLE lecture this week, that's lawyer stuff, talking about increasing <laughs> one's online presence. Uh-oh. And so I got a trial next week, but the following week, yeah, it's time for me to quit dicking around. I got to get my uh, internet presence out. I've already got my web domain purchased. I haven't done anything. Now it's time to start doing something because i got to increase the visibility because like my man Mike and Ken, I need my own web space to do my lawyer thing and my football thing and, uh, you know, just to be out there to be seen so the, my, my people and the ladies can find me. <laughs> I love it. All right. And of course you can find podcast juice at podcastjuice.net. Also on Facebook and on Twitter. You can find me at M Dean. Also, uh, again, I, I have these missions that I have y'all to do. So the first mission is to be sure to like our page on Facebook. We're trying to get our likes up. Second, you can help the show by donating your account. Go to the website on the right-hand side. It says donate your account. You want to click on that, and it will have you instructions to donate your Twitter and or Facebook page. And what does it do quickly? It just allows us to share and post our new shows on your timeline. Uh, so please, we ask for some support. With that, I say thank you. Yes, as I said on Twitter and Facebook, we're nine years strong in podcasts, and that is crazy. <laughs> So we're going to keep pushing for another nine. But with that, we out of here. Peace.